Herb Alpert and the Tijuana Brass. I'm Carson Sestouli, and this is Fangraphs Audio. Thursday, December 8th, represents the fourth and silliest day of the winter meetings at the Hilton Anatoly in Dallas, Texas. The attentive listener will know that it's on this day that both Albert Pujols and C.J. Wilson have been signed by the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, netting in excess of $325 million combined. Our managing editor, Dave Cameron, once again joins us from the bowels of said Hilton to discuss the consequences of the Angels' signings. Where, for example, will Mark Trumbo play in 2012 and beyond? Kendris Morales, Bobby Abreu, and how might the Pujols signing affect the development of Uber prospect Mike Trout? We also consider what the Wilson signing does, how the Marlins' acquisition of Mark Burley might affect their chances in the NL East, and what the Cardinals might do with the money they were going to spend on Albert Pujols. We also have a brief review for you of what could possibly be the best Central Texas barbecue to be found in the Dallas metro area. We're running the gamut of crack analysis on this edition of Fangraphs Audio. Right, and the big news, of course, is Dana Evelyn to the Baltimore Orioles. I mean, that's what I'm writing about. No, that's what the only thing to write about. No, um, okay, so you actually just had a post. We're recording this at uh, 11.30 Eastern on Thursday. You just had a post go up about Albert Pujols to the Angels. That's obviously one story, uh, 10 years, $250 million. And then also on the heels of that, and I'm sure we'll have some crack analysis available at the site Post haste uh, is C.J. Wilson to the Angels for I think uh, something like 575 something in that area. Yeah, I think Carl Ravitch reported it was 577 and a half, but pretty close. Right. Okay. So, wow. All right. Uh, start with Pools, I guess. He's really good, and they're going to pay him for a long time. Yeah. I mean, I think we knew he was going to get a really long deal, but it sounded like at the beginning of the winter and what, what the Cardinals were offering that to get the nine or ten years that he wanted, he was going to have to take a lower annual average value than almost all the other premium first basemen had signed for him. And Ryan Howard got $25 million, but that was only for five years, and everyone thought that was a mistake. Adrian Gonzalez got 22 or 23. Mark Deshera got 22 or 23. So I think, it, you know, given his age, uh, given the questions about his age from people, uh, I think the expectation was nine or ten years will get him, you know, 19, 20 million per year. $25 million per year for 10 years, I think, is probably more than most people thought he would get. Well, we were discussing the other day that he, you, you, or, you, know, you suggested that his agent and, and you know, maybe Pools, we don't know, uh, would probably be interested in at least breaking the $200 million threshold uh, you know, just for posterity's sake. It, that, we mm-hmm. were discussing that. Now, this is $50 million difference. Yeah, this is the Angels, I think, saying – our only chance to get him is to significantly outbid the Cardinals because if the money is close, he'll just go back to St. Louis. And uh, they didn't want to lose him. Uh, the Angels decided to make a really aggressive push. But also saying C.J. Wilson, they decided that this is they're going to make a run and they're going to try and take the Los Angeles market away from the Dodgers while there's an opportunity. And um, so they've they've made a big significant push, and uh, we'll see if it works for them. Is this uh, is this a, a plan that existed? Do you think before? Um 
before Jerry Depoto, the new the new GM, showed up, or do you think this is uh, has his thumbprints on it? I would say that this is probably something that was discussed uh, before Depoto got hired. Uh, I would imagine Artie Moreno has had his eye on Albert Pools for a while. Moreno's known as a guy who will spend money on players he likes. Um, you know, the Angels have been running high payrolls for a while, so it's not like they weren't a, a team that you thought could throw money at a big guy. But uh, I would imagine Depoto, when he was interviewing, this probably came up and you know, what's your interest level in doing something significant this offseason? And DePoto clearly had an answer that went along with what Artie Moreno thought, and the Angels were able to scoop up, you know, probably still the, one of the best players in the game. Uh, I think the question is, did they give up too much long-term in order for the short-term game to get any response? Now, this is going to have effects on the Angels' roster construction, especially in the offensive side, uh, because they already had a little bit of a logjam this past year, with you know four, uh, I wouldn't call them all capable because one of them is Vernon Wells, who I'm sure is a nice guy, uh, but is 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 overpaid decidedly. Uh, they also have Bobby Abreu on their roster, potentially returning Kendris Morales, and they had Mark Trumbo too, who was a, as a rookie didn't. I mean, you know, he had a decent season. Um, if, if he got there a slightly different way than maybe. You know the orthodoxly sabermetric would like to see. It, how much of a marginal gain is this over what it might have been for, say, the Cardinals or Marlins? Yeah, I think for the Angels, this is a little bit of a weird fit because uh, you know Trumbo might not walk a lot, but it, the power is good, the defense was okay. You know he was a two-win player as a rookie with a uh, probably lower than expected batting average on balls in play that you could have expected to go up. Uh, and you know players do gain walks as they age. That's something that comes with experience. I think you could see Trumbo turning into a three-win player uh, in 2012 or 2013 without too much, uh, you know, wish casting. I mean, it's not too hard to project him as a three-win guy going forward. And Pools, if you if you love him, he's a seven-win guy right now, probably more like a six-win guy, uh, and he's declining. I mean, Pools, the state of his career, where you're expecting him to get worse every year. So I would say within three or four years, it's unclear that Albert Pools will be a better player than Mark Trumbo. And I love Albert Pools, uh, and I know that sounds a little weird to say, but I would say that the, the upgrade they're getting is, you know, on the order of three to four wins a year and then two to three wins and then a win or so and then not much of an upgrade for the next seven years beyond that. Uh, Mike Trout, he's good at baseball already as a 20-year-old. Uh, he might not be good at baseball in the major leagues this year, uh, not because he'll be playing poorly, but because he won't be playing at all, question mark? Yeah, I think that this is probably going to push Mike Trout off the roster, at least to begin the season and maybe, you know, for the entire season. I think if you look at the most likely uh, path to cons- to fill out the roster, it is usually going with veterans who are under contract instead of young players and having to release somebody who's, you know, in Vernon Wells' case, you owe $40, $60 million to over the next couple of years. I mean, you know, uh, I don't I don't see them cutting Vernon Wells even after one bad year. Uh, maybe they would cut Bobby Abreu, but I doubt it. The lineup's pretty right-handed, and they kind of need Abreu's left-handed bat in there. Uh, so I think the realistic scenario is Trout's probably going to head back to Trout, and uh, Abreu and Wells and Torrey Hunter will share the corner outfield spots. And, you know, I think it, if you're going to look at that as a repercussion of the pool signing, he makes them better at first base, and he makes them worse in the outfield. Yeah, and and he makes it makes me sad. I don't know if you know. Yeah, right. I, I have some. In, I have some uh, gentle feelings for Mike Trout because he's really good. And Mike Trout's a super exciting player, and I think if I was running the Angels, 
he's the guy I was looking to build my franchise around. And so now, you know, it's not like Mike Trout's going away. They can still have Mike Trout, but he's no longer going to be the centerpiece of their franchise. So Albert Poole is the centerpiece of this franchise for the next decade. And, uh, you know, I mean, I think that you can have both Poole and Trout, but I think that it's a little sad for Angels fans for 2012, or at least the start of 2012. They're probably only going to have Poole and not Trout. Okay. Uh, C.J. Wilson is another player that the Angels have just signed. I don't remember necessarily them being uh, the team most closely associated with Wilson. Perhaps I'm wrong? Uh, no, well, Wilson's from the area, so I think this is essentially him going home. Um, there's been a lot of talk heading into the offseason that he was a West Coast guy, that he wasn't really interested in going East. Uh, you know, he's into some uh, outdoor activities that kind of work better in California than they would in, like, a you know, a New York or Boston or one of the uh, Northeast cities. So um, I don't think it's shocking that Wilson went to the Angels. He'd been, you know, reported to go to the Marlins, the Rangers were obviously interested in keeping him, but I wouldn't say that this is a shocking development. Uh, it might be a little surprising given that the um, Angels already had a pretty good pitching staff. They have Dan Hare and Irvin Santana coming up for extensions pretty soon. Um, so it's possible that Wilson will end up replacing one of those two instead of being a supplemental addition to their rotation. You know, uh, C.J. Wilson had a tough playoffs. It doesn't seem as though this contract represents uh, any sort of um – uh, downgrade though in his contract value. Do you think that the Angels were looking past that? I would say that I think he got a little less than he would have. I mean, heading into the the playoffs, I think that you could make a, a legitimate argument for C.J. Wilson asking for a hundred million dollar deal based on how good he was this year. He was one of the best left-handed starting pitchers in baseball. Uh, he didn't have a lot of mileage on his arm since he pitched in relief for so long. I think that you know, given what John Lackey and A.J. Burnett and some of the other guys had gotten as free agents. I think Wilson was uh, in a better position to receive more money uh, than those guys. And, you know, he signed for basically the same deal that they got or something similar to it. So I would say that this represents a little bit of a drop-off. Um, but, you know, I think Jerry DePoto is a whole smart enough to realize that uh, he shouldn't evaluate C.J. Wilson just based on October. And, uh, you know, Wilson's still a pretty good pitcher, even if he didn't uh, look like an ace during the playoffs. So this is obviously, uh, at some level, a response to, um, you know, the Rangers – I guess success the last couple of years, uh, the Angels, you know, uh, see the need to to retool a little bit, and they're doing it with two of the most high-profile free agents from this year's class. What does this do? I mean, this is obviously quite speculative, but what does this do for their playoff chances? Um, you know, come the 2012 season. Yeah, I mean, the offseason is not over, so I don't think we can say for sure, like, oh, this makes the Angels better than the Rangers. I mean, the Rangers are uh, now free to spend some money that they would have otherwise given to Kate Wilson. That might go to you, Darvish. It might go a lot of other places. So um, I still think the Rangers are uh, likely to end up at the end of the offseason as the best team in the division. The Angels have clearly thrust themselves into the wild card race, and with two wild cards now, they don't necessarily have to be better than New York or Boston. Uh, so there's a chance that they could um, capitalize on their new additions and make the playoffs next year. and maybe make a run at this thing. Um, so I, do, I definitely think it makes the, the Angels better. Uh, I will say that I think there's a lot more shaking out to come. I mean, you know, it's possible they could trade Mark Trumbo. It's possible they could not Kendrick Kendrick Morales. I mean, there's a lot of things they could do. They might trade Urban Santana. I mean, I think we don't have a final picture of what the Angels roster looks like or the Rangers roster. And so to handicap which is going to win the AOS at this point is a little premature. Well, I wasn't, I mean, I wasn't holding your hand to the fire. I was just, you know, I was <laughs> Asking, I, I don't want you to do anything inappropriate. Uh, another player that signed, uh, I guess yesterday, was Mark Burley, signed with the yeah. Marlins, and that uh, seemed to take the Marlins out of the, the hunt for Albert Pujols. You know, uh, 
Burley is a player who throws a lot of strikes, and that's kind of his thing. Uh, I know that you've posted here before, or you posted on the site, and we've talked about it before, that maybe his, his ERAs are uh, slightly more attractive um, than his peripheral stats, and, and partially that could have something to do with the way that ERA is calculated in that pitchers who put a lot of balls in play are perhaps not as uh, subject to um, – they're going to be credited for less earned runs simply because it's their fielders making the mistakes. Uh, you know, what do you see what happening with with Burley in Florida now? Yeah, I mean, I think going to the National League will help him. So, I mean, there's questions about how he'll be able to do as his stuff grows into his mid 30s. He's not a stuff guy, but you know, there's definitely a fringe level where maybe your fastball works at 86 and it doesn't work at 84. And um, you know, I think there's with concerns about how Burley would be able to do long term. Going to the National League will help him. Uh, I do think that. He got, essentially got paid for durability. I don't think that uh, anyone believes that Mark Burley should be your number one starter or the guy that you want to roll out there and game one of the playoffs. But the Marlins looked at him and said, 200 innings, 11 years in a row. We have Josh Johnson, who's great, but we don't know what we're going to get from him. We have Ricky Nolasco, who's a little bit of an enigma. Chris Volstad, who's been an underachiever. Uh, we like Anibal Sanchez, but he's had injury problems. What we really need is a guy we can count on to just take the ball every five days and give us six or seven innings, and that's what Mark Burley is. I mean, he's not... Uh, the greatest pitcher in the world. He's he's an above-average starting pitcher who doesn't get hurt, or at least hasn't gotten hurt. I do think that uh, looking at historical pitcher um, trends, just because a guy hasn't gotten hurt doesn't mean he's not going to. And so, you know, Burley might be more durable than others, but, uh, you know, there's still a chance he could get hurt. And risking $60 million on a guy just because he's durable is maybe not the best idea. Yeah, so they're paying him... To do what? I mean, four years, uh, sixty, uh, $58 million, I guess. Uh, that's about $15 million a year, which, you know, starting with now, that's, you know, that's about three wins above replacement um, because we're going to, we're about $5 million per win, perhaps. And, you know, say that goes up to six and a half or whatever uh, over the time of his contract. So he needs to do, he needs to produce about 10 wins. Is that it? Uh, yeah, 10, 11 wins, somewhere in that range. And I think that's certainly possible. Uh, you know, I think over the last four years, he's produced about 13 and a half by our metric, which is based on FIP, and he's outperformed his FIP a little bit. Uh, so you could say maybe he's closer to 14 or 15 over the last four years. So there's room for him to get worse and still live up to this contract. Um, but I do think that the Marlins' spending spree was a little bit predicated on uh, really hitting a home run. They wanted Reyes and Pools and Burley, or, you know, Burley and C.J. Wilson. They wanted to get multiple guys to really put themselves in a position to be really strong contenders to keep up with the Phillies and Braves. And when you look at the end of the day, if, if their spending spree is really Jose Reyes, Mark Burley, and Heath Bell, does that make them contenders? I'm not sure. I think it makes them better. Uh, I think it makes them interesting. I don't know that it puts them in the category of the Phillies and Braves. The Cardinals were willing to give Albert Pujols, uh, you know, over $20 million per year. They're not going to be spending that money on Albert Pujols now. Do they become, you know, essentially, uh, I guess, positioned to to sign whoever's left? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, the Cardinals clearly are going to spend some money. I don't think they're going to reallocate all of the Pujols' money. I think they were willing um, so you'll see them take some portion of what would have gone to Pools and, and allocated other places. I think Jimmy Rollins makes a lot of sense for them, but there's a lot of talk that Rollins is headed back to Philadelphia, and uh, the, the Cardinals have generally denied that they're going to go after a shortstop this, this winter, even though they probably should. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what they do. I mean, they have a first baseman on the roster in Lance Berkman. Alan Craig will just become an everyday player now, so it's not like a huge hole they have to go fill by losing Pujols. 
Uh, maybe they'll go sign up at the back of the rotation. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what the Cardinals do. I think they'll end up spending maybe 10 to 15 million of the 20-ish million they would have given to Pools otherwise. Um, but if Jimmy Rollins doesn't want their money, it's not clear exactly who they should give it to. All right. Uh, uh, just uh, hanging out for these last 24 hours around there, um, anything of note, whether uh, maybe perhaps more uh, related to transactions or uh, uh, on the lighter side of the sport, Dave Cameron? Yeah, you know, actually, my favorite part of the winter meetings happened last night. Uh, you know, the, the dark overlord is a little bit of a foodie and really looks uh, to try out different things. So he decided while we were down here in Texas, we needed to have some Texas barbecue, which is, uh, you know, generally brisket with no sauce. And he found a smokehouse not too terribly far from the hotel. And so, um, you know, being good soldiers that we are who like to make sure other people are having a good time as well, we grabbed Ben Nicholson-Smith of MLB Trade Rumors and said, hey, man, would you like to go to dinner with us? And so... Uh, he hopped in the car, and along with Mike, he said the, we went to dinner and um, get to the smokehouse and uh, saw that the menu essentially consisted of um, three or four different kinds of smoked meat, and that was the entire menu. And uh, I looked at Ben Nicholson-Smith, and I was like, man, I'm glad Dylan's a vegetarian. And then he raised his hand and told me that he was a vegetarian. Ah, uh, Nicholson-Smith? Yeah. So, so we, we took a vegetarian to a Texas brisket place and forced him to have baked beans for dinner. Oh yeah, he must have been stoked. He was very excited. So was the was the food good? Was it really good in your mouth? It was really delicious. Actually, uh, <sighs> a few hours later, Keith Law led a contingent of baseball writers to the same place, and they all raved about it as well. So uh, that that place got a lot of uh, interesting baseball writers, and they're consuming their food. But I have to say, their their uh, smoked meat products were quite delicious. Are you are you purposely uh, concealing the name of the place so that we don't give undue advertising sure. to it? Uh, I believe it was called the Lockhorn Smokehouse, and it's uh, not uh, Lockhorn, Lockland, something like that. It's a, apparently the only good Central Texas barbecue place in Dallas. And it's not exactly what I would consider in the best of neighborhoods. When uh, the Dark Art Overlord was driving us there, I thought that we were maybe all being taken to our execution, but uh, instead we were being taken to delicious dinner, or in Ben's case, uh, two delicious sides. Yeah, well, you got to watch out with Appleman, though. That's the thing. You never know... You know, he seems just like this, uh, you know, real, you know, easygoing character, but he could turn on you any moment. Yeah, so far he hasn't done it, but uh, I think we're all hoping that we can stay on his good side. Right, he's just putting you, but yeah, right, that's the thing. Maybe he's just putting you at ease, you know, and, and that's that's his real, that's the real mind game he's playing. Um, he's good at it. All right, so what, are you going home today? I, I do, I fly out in a couple hours, uh, getting back to North Carolina and getting back to uh you know, a somewhat normal sleep sleep pattern, and uh, you know, it's been fun to be here. I've enjoyed being at the winter meetings, but it'll be nice to get home as well. All right, well, hey, it's been uh, fun doing these uh, podcasts directly from the bowels of the Hilton Anatoly in Dallas. Yeah, this is like the fourth time you said bowels on the podcast for this week. Yeah, it is, and that's on purpose. <laughs> hey, Dave Cameron, thanks thanks for joining us once again. Thanks for having me. All right, that's Dave Cameron. I'm Carson Sestouli. This is Fangraphs Audio.